Good morning. So if you didn't already know, I am engaged. It's this, the cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows now, right? Well, praise God. So uh, the message from Pastor, or this morning, this communion message from Pastor Paul was actually really amazing because it kind of leads in right to what I want to say. Um, and he was talking about, you know, believing in God. And, and uh, you know, he's in the scripture in John where he said, uh, anything you ask of the Father in my name, it shall be given unto you. And we do that so that, the, that God might be glorified. You know, sometimes we think we're being selfish. Sometimes we think we're, you know, we're, if we ask God for something, oh, we're just being greedy or being selfish. But it says, that, it says that God might be glorified when we ask him. So I want to ask you this morning, just take, you know, just don't have to, I guess, shout it out. But just, you know, what are you, what are you believing God for today? What are you believing God for? You know, not, God showed me a while back that, uh, you know, there's a difference between hoping, wishing, praying for God for something and believing, believing God for something. I mean, if I would ask you today, do you believe that God can heal you? The answer is yes, right? Do you believe that God can prosper you? Yes, amen, right? Do you believe that God can send you a spouse here in this church? Yes, amen, right? Hallelujah. Do you believe that God can give you an idea that would spark favor with you at the workplace or that would allow you to open your own company, be your own boss? Absolutely, right? We believe God can do all these things, but yet we look at our lives and we see ourselves, you know, we're sick, we're, you know, we're suffering lack in so many areas, like Pastor Paul was saying, maybe you've been looking for a wife or a, a husband for many years and you haven't found it. And, and you're just, you know, at, at the workplace, you're getting overlooked time and time again. Well, what's going on? We believe God can do all these things. God can do it. And yet in our life, we're not experiencing it. You know, there's a problem here, right? And the problem is that we're not really believing we're not really believing that God's going to do that in our life. Yes, we hope God will. We wish he would. But we don't actually believe. We're not actually in faith believing that God's going to do these things for us. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It's a very well-known scripture. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And if I would just stop there, and I would say, Do you believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think? Everyone would say, Yes, hallelujah, praise God. Right? God's able to do all kinds of awesome things. Way more than I can possibly imagine. Way more than I could ever ask him for. But you know, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture goes on to say, according to the power that works in us. See, we believe that God can do all these awesome, amazing things, but the scripture says that he, can, he does it according to the power that works in us. The power that works in us, that's faith. That's our belief. That's what we're believing for. That's what the power is that we have within us. It's our faith. And God acts according to, in relationship with, in proportion to, the power, the faith that we have in us. 
You could, you could uh, a synonym for, you know, according to, you could say, as stated by the power in us, on the authority of the faith that we have in us. Or the one I really liked was, as claimed by the power that works in us, the faith that we have in us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, as claimed by the faith that we have, that we have in us, what we're believing for. God can do all these awesome things, but he can only do it if we're willing to claim it by faith. Look, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. You know, having a heart that's perfect toward you is, is like King David. You know, King David, he made many mistakes in his life. He wasn't a perfect man. He made a lot of mistakes. And yet God said he had a perfect heart. Why? Because he trusted in God. If you, if you read throughout his life, from the time he faced Goliath, Till the time he, you know, his son Absalom kicked him out of Jerusalem and he had to flee. You know, he always trusted in God. God was going to provide. God was going to take care of him. God was going to bring him back. He had faith in God. And God said he had a perfect heart toward him. But says this scripture says that God's eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth looking to show himself strong. He wants to perform miracles. He wants to perform healing. He wants to provide. He wants to do all kinds of wonderful things. And says his eyes are looking to and fro, running to and fro throughout the whole earth. Do you know what that means? That means God's eyes are here right now. And he's looking, he's looking for someone, someone, anyone that he could show himself strong through. But if we think about that, isn't that kind of a sad statement? Why, why are his eyes running throughout the whole earth? I mean, in, in, in this room right now, his eyes are just going from left to right. You know, and, and I can see, now that we're you know, further forward, I can see a lot further into the congregation. So his eyes are just running to and fro, you know, like throughout the whole earth, just like left to right, just looking. Who can I show myself strong through? Who can I do a miracle through? Who will believe me for something that I can show my glory, that I can, that I can manifest my power through? And he has to, he has to keep looking because... Truthfully, we're not believing for anything. We're not believing. I mean, if I were, again, if I were to ask you what, for today, today, for, for many of us, it's just, it's just a normal Sunday. You know, I'm going to go to church in the morning, I'm going to get inspired by the word, I'm going to go home, have lunch, or maybe go with some friends, have some lunch. It's a long weekend, so I'm going to relax, maybe go to the beach, you know, but we're not really believing anything supernatural. We're not really believing that God's going to do anything out of the ordinary in our life today. It's just going to be a regular Sunday. And if that's our attitude, if that's what we're, if that's what we're expecting of God, that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get. You have to believe. We have to believe that God can do something more. Something more in our life. Um, who's here, who here has ever believed that God would... Give them a route to take to work or to take home. I mean, we all, you know, have commute. We all have a commute every day that we go. Maybe it's half an hour, maybe it's an hour, whatever your commute is. But how often do we, do we believe that God's going to show us the best route to take? 
I had, I had an experience a while back, it was a few months ago, and I was driving home after visiting a friend, and I was coming on down on the, on the 404, going to turn on to the 401, heading home, and I live just uh, off Dufferin, so I can take, you know, normally I take the Express. Normally, if I can, I take the Express, and if you come off the 404, you can just go straight on to the Express, or you can go, you can go on to the collector, right? So normally I take the Express because I live right off of uh, Dufferin, and, and you can turn from the 401 onto Dufferin, so, you know, just, you don't have to go back on the collector, so it's easier. And as I was coming off the 404, going to turn onto, onto the Express, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the idea of taking the Express for whatever reason, so I just took the 401, or took the uh, collector. And once I turned onto the collector and I came around the corner, I could see the Express was just backed up for kilometers. I mean, bumper to bumper, it was a standstill. Because from the 404 all the way till past Young, there was just traffic. They were doing construction and had closed the Express down to one lane. So there was just standstill all the way from before the 404 all the way up to past Young. So, you know, I could have just taken my normal route that I would have taken every day, no big deal, gone on to the Express and been stuck in traffic and waited for two hours just to get, just to get through that section. You know, and God loves me. God wouldn't have been displeased with me. God would have, you know, he's still, I'm still his favorite child. You know, that doesn't change. But, you know, I don't, it doesn't have to be that way. God, in a, just in that moment, just gave me a little nudge, you know, don't take the express. Take the collector. And because I listened, because he did, I mean, I saved myself, I don't know how much time. That traffic was bad. I, I praise God that I wasn't getting stuck in that. But, you know, God can do that for us, right? God can do that. If we're willing to believe, if we're willing to expect that God's going to do, that God is going to do it, not that he might do it, not that hopefully he would do it, but that he is going to speak to us in these kinds of ways. Turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 9. I want to look at verse 17, 17 to 24. Here we have a story of a... Um, of a man, he brings his he brings his son to Jesus to to be healed. He's has a, he's possessed with a, with a spirit, and so the man. Um, so the story goes that one of the multitude answered and said, "Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit." Next verse, please. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they may. Uh, that they should cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And the, the man brought unto him his child, and he saw him, and straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked the father, Jesus asked the father, how long is it ago since he had come unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire, into the waters, to destroy him. See, this is, this is very typical of all of us, right? We have a situation in our life, we have a problem in our life, and we go to God and we, and we say, God, it's so bad. It's so terrible. God, look at this. And we, and we just rehearse, like this man did with Jesus. It's so terrible. This spirit, you know, it, it teareth him. It, he, it makes him foam. He gnashes with his teeth. He pineth away. You know, it, it tries to throw him in the fire. It tries to throw him in water. It's just, it's just trying to kill him. And we, and we go to God, and we, and we just, you know, just fill God's ear with, with all the, how bad our situation is, how, how terrible it is. 
And, you know, like for us today, we might go and say, God, you know, I got the doctor, I went to the doctor, and they say I'm sick, they say I'm dying, they say I have this thing, God, I lost my job today, and we, and we just go to God, and we have all these kind of problems, whatever it might be, and we just, just expound how terrible everything is, and then we do just like this man here said to Jesus, he said, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. We do the exact same thing. We go to God and we complain and say, God, if you can do something, please help me. The same thing this man here said to Jesus, you know, Jesus, if you can do something, please help me. We go to God and say, God, can you please, please God, can you, can you do this? Can you heal me? Can you do whatever? So we go to God and we, and we say, God, please, can you? But look how Jesus responded to him. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe... All things are possible to him that believes. See, Jesus didn't take any of the, of the burden on himself. He didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry, I should, have come to, I should have sought you out sooner, I should have come to you, I know it's been so terrible. No, he said, no, you're looking at me, what are you looking at me for? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You know, that's the same word that God has for us today. You know, we go to God and we say, oh God, it's so terrible, oh God, and we, we go complaining to God and we expound how bad it is. But God's saying the same thing to us. Why are you coming to me? If you can believe, all things are possible. We already looked at before and we said that, yes, God can heal. Yes, God can prosper you. Yes, God can send you a spouse. And yet we still don't see it happening But Jesus says, if you can believe, if you believe, all things are possible. So the problem is we need to believe. We need to believe. And so often, as as this next verse here says, straightway the father of the child cried out and said unto him, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. See, we believe that God can do it, but at the same time, we have unbelief. We don't believe that he will do it, that he has done it, that that he's going to do it for us. So we have faith, we do believe that God can, but we, we don't actually believe he is, or he will, or that he wants it you know, for us. We, we don't actually have faith that for us. And why is that? Why do we, you know, why do we fall into unbelief? Why do we not believe that God's going to, you know, why do we have this doubt? Um, you know, part of it sometimes is, uh, it's just life. Sometimes it's just life. You know, we get busy with life, right? If we look at um, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. I'm not sure if I gave that scripture or not, but yes, I did. Okay, and these are they which are, uh, these are they which sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the seedfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke out the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So, you know, sometimes we start off, we hear the word, we get inspired, we start believing God for something, but then, you know, life just takes over and we get busy. We get busy and, we're, and we get so distracted with other things in the world, or we, so, we start to, you know, we desire to have that new car or that new house or whatever it might be, and, and these things start to distract us from, from believing God to trying to, like, just, just our focus gets turned on to these things, onto our everyday life or, or onto these other things. And so sometimes it's just like life, the busyness of life will just take our focus off of God, and that stops us from believing. Uh, Proverbs 13 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sometimes we've wanted something for so long, we've been believing God, we've tried believing God, and we didn't see it happen, and, and so eventually we kind of just give up. 
we give up because we're, we're just tired. We, we're, you know, it hurts when we don't see it happen. You know, it, it causes pain in us. And so, and so we give up because we want to block out that pain. We want to experience that pain anymore, so we just give up. Our, you know, we, we started believing, but we just, we just gave up on it because it didn't seem to happen right away. Many of you are probably familiar with the story of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 10, you know, he, he was looking for an answer from God. And he spent 21 days in fasting and prayer. 21 days he spent fasting, not eating anything, just drinking water. And not only that, but he also spent the whole day in prayer. I mean, I, if I think of my life, I've maybe, I've maybe spent one whole day in fasting and prayer. Like one day where I just did nothing but I, I didn't eat and I, and I spent the whole day in prayer. I fasted before, but I wouldn't be in prayer. And I spent, I spent there's been times when I you know, spent a good part of the day in prayer, but I wasn't fasting. But I mean, like, I maybe spent one day in my life where I just spent in fasting and prayer. And, you know, here Daniel spent 21 days, 21 days in doing nothing but fasting and prayer. You know, so, so often we, we were willing to we'll give God five minutes, you know, we'll give him an hour. But if we don't see it happen within a short period of time, we just, we just give up or we make an excuse. Oh, well, I guess, God, I guess God says not right now. Oh, I guess it's not for me or something. You may make these excuses because we don't see it happen right away. Well, in this story, you know, Daniel wasn't, wasn't willing to make an excuse. He wanted, he needed an answer, and he was going to do whatever it took to get that answer. He, he spent a, the first day fasting and prayer, no answer. The next day, he woke up, you know, from the first thing, as soon as he woke up till he went to bed, again, fasting and prayer. A week goes by, not, no answer, but he continues on. Two weeks go by, 20 days of doing nothing but fasting and prayer, and he, and he still didn't get his answer. You know, so often, like, we just give up. We just quit. But he persisted for 21 days. After 21 days, he got his answer. Now, praise God, you know, we are under a better covenant, and we don't have to do these things anymore. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and he gives us the guidance we need. But, I mean, sometimes we're not just willing to give it that time that it takes to trust God and say, God, I know you're working. I, I believe and I know you're working and I know it's going to happen. I'm going to stand in faith until I see it come to pass. But that's not really what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on, I want to get you, to, I get you encouraged on how to start to believe. I want to see you believing for something. I want to see you, see you, you know, advancing in life. I don't want to discourage you and just, and just show you all these kind of negative things. I want to show you the positive with it. So how do, we, how do we believe? How do we start to believe for something? If, if, if we're not believing for anything right now, how can we start to believe? There's a story in Mark chapter 5 that I want to show you. Um, but as we turn there, just, just give me a quick answer. How many people in the Bible were healed by touching the, uh, Jesus, by touching his garment? Most people would probably say one. Right? And this is, this, is the, this is the story here. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 29. A certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered. Oh, what did I do here? Okay. 
but rather grew worse when she heard of Jesus, came into the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So here we have a story of a woman, a certain woman, she had this sickness for 12 years, and she, but she had the faith, she believed that if she could but touch his garment, she would be healed of that plague, and she would be made whole. And she was. She was healed, but, but the thing is, all she did was touch him. All she did was she go up and she touched Jesus. She believed that she touched him. She, Jesus didn't pray for her. Jesus didn't lay hands on her. She went out and touched Jesus. And the amazing thing is in this story, it tells us that Jesus was surrounded by a, like just a crowd of people and everyone, everyone was around him trying to touch him. I don't, I don't know what it is with people and like celebrities, but whenever someone's famous, you know, you want to go up to them, you want to, if you can't like, you want to shake their hand, you want to like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. But if you can't do that, at the very least, you want to touch them, right? I don't, I don't know what it is with that. I don't know. You, you just, you think of like concerts and stuff and they're, they're, you know, the musicians are up on stage, the singers are up on stage and all these people are at the front of the stage and they're just, ah! You know, and they're trying to reach out and touch the, touch the singer. I, I don't get it, you know. No one's ever tried to come and touch me. I don't know. So I don't know what, uh, I don't quite understand, but, you know, whatever. Something with celebrities, I guess, right? But here in this, in this place, everyone was surrounded, trying to touch him, and his disciples were all this kind of, you know, they're trying to play bodyguard. They're trying to, like, you know, keep, him, keep them from, like, like, just squashing him in the press or something. So all these people are touching Jesus, but only one gets healed. And in verse 34, it gives us the answer for that. Why did only this one person get healed? Even though they all touched him, why did the one? Jesus said unto this woman that was healed, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. See, her faith. It wasn't Jesus. He wasn't the variable. His power was there for everyone. Any one of them could have reached out and touched him and received healing. Anyone could have received the answer to their prayer they needed. But they were touching, but they weren't in faith. She was the only one who reached out and was in faith. And because she was in faith, she got her answer. But, but you know, this is not the only instance where people touched Jesus and were healed. In the very next chapter... In Mark chapter 6, we look at verses 53 to 56. It says, When they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway the people knew Jesus and ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, where they heard that he was. And whithersoever he entered into the villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and brought and besought him that he might that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. So what happened here in in, in chapter five? It's exact same book. It's just a, just one chapter earlier. All these people are touching him, and only one gets healed. And yet in this chapter now, it says when he comes into the land, they put the, the sick in the street everywhere he went so that maybe as, they were, as he was walking by, they could just reach out and just touch the same way, just, just touch the border of his garment. And if, when they touched, they were healed. So what happened? What's the difference? Well, if you study it out, I'm not going to do it for time's sake, but if you study it out in Mark chapter 5, this certain woman that had the issue of, of blood for 12 years, that had this plague for 12 years, 
You know, Jesus called her out in the crowd. You know, he stopped everybody and said, wait, someone's touched me. And his disciples were looking at him like he's crazy. Said, what do you mean someone's touched you? Who hasn't touched you at this point? I mean, look around you, seriously. Like, everyone's touched you, Jesus. What are you talking about? Someone's touched you. He's like, no, 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 someone's touched me. I felt power flow out of me. And so then this woman, she came forward, and she, with everyone watching, everyone around, surrounding, she explained what happened. She explained how she was healed of, of this plague that she had for 12 years. So what I, what I believe happened here is that all these people heard this testimony of how she was healed of this plague in that moment when she, when she touched him, and they would have gone home to their families and to their friends and shared this testimony, this woman who had this sickness for 12 years, and all she did was touch his clothes, and she was healed. They would have had people who were from the country around the city, and they would have been farmers, and they would have been coming to the city to sell their produce, whatever they would have had, and they would have gone back to the country and gone back to their villages and, and shared this testimony of this woman who was healed. There would have been people who were visitors, travelers from other lands who were there, who, who came and saw and heard this testimony of this woman being healed. And so they go back into their own lands, they go back into their own cities, and they share their testimony with them. And now, when Jesus comes into this, this land of Gennesaret, they've heard the testimony of this woman who was healed with issue of blood for 12 years. She was healed. They heard the testimony, and now faith had built up in them to believe that they could be healed. See, Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing. You have to hear in order to have faith. These, the people in, in Mark chapter 5, they hadn't yet heard. There was no other testimony of someone touching Jesus and being healed. But in Mark chapter 6, now they've heard testimony, and so now they have the faith to be healed. I can give you some personal examples. You know, when um, no, one, no one here has ever seen me, because this is, this is before I came, was when I came to Toronto four years ago, but I used to wear glasses. So if, and if you go to my Facebook you know, page and you look at my older pictures, you would see that I wore glasses everywhere I went. Actually, one of you in here might know that I remember me seeing me glasses, wearing glasses when I first came here. Uh, but I used to wear glasses. And when I came to Toronto, I met a gentleman and he shared with me the testimony of how he believed for God. He used to wear glasses, and he believed God, and he now had perfect eyesight. And when I heard his testimony, I was inspired to believe God and say, hey, why not me? You know, it wasn't a condemnation thing. It wasn't a guilt thing. It wasn't like God was, I felt guilty from God that he's saying, oh, you know, you have little faith. Why don't you believe? No, no, nothing like that. It was just, I heard his testimony and said, hey, why don't I believe to have my eyes healed and have perfect vision? And so I did. His testimony inspired me to believe. And so then after a few months, my eyes were healed. And now I have perfect vision. I don't wear glasses anymore. That's awesome, right? And, by, and me sharing this testimony with other people has inspired other people to believe. For their eyes to be healed. Again, no condemnation if you're wearing glasses. God loves you. Nothing wrong with it. It's not a, a guilt or condemnation thing. But why not? Um, my fiance, when I first met her, she suffered with gluten intolerance. And, uh, um, you know, after sharing some testimonies with her, with other healings that I had seen and, and different miracles that I had seen, she, she got inspired to believe that, you know what, I don't need to live with this gluten intolerance anymore. 
And so we prayed, and, and uh, you know, she was healed, perfectly healed of gluten intolerance. She now can eat whatever she wants. She doesn't suffer with this anymore. Praise God, right? And because of, because of sharing her testimony of her being healed of gluten intolerance, other people have asked for prayer, have asked me to pray with them and to, be, and to see themselves get healed of gluten intolerance. You see, once we hear, wait a minute, someone's actually healed of this, we get inspired to believe God ourselves that maybe I can be healed of this. Why not? If they can, why can't I? Faith comes by hearing. Our faith is stirred up when we hear, when we hear these testimonies. I want to show, I want to show of hands. Who here has ever been healed, supernaturally healed of, of something, anything? Everyone should raise your hands. Look at that. Quite a few. Look around a little bit. That's a lot of people. A lot of people have been healed of something. Who here has ever been raised from the dead? There's a few. Look at that. A few of you. Praise God. Who here has seen God you know, open a door, an opportunity for them, given them favor in some area? Praise God, look at that, so many of you. Who's here ever received a financial blessing or a financial provision? Awesome, praise God. You know, if you're in need today, if you have a, if you need healing, if you need a miracle, if you need a financial provision, I mean, talk to someone in this room. Talk to someone who's had it happen for them and ask them about it. You know, take them out for a coffee, buy them a meal, whatever it might be, and ask them, you know, something. Like, you know, I want to hear of your story. I want to hear how you were healed of cancer. I want to how, hear how you were raised from the dead. I want to hear about how God provided for you. Because when you hear that testimony, you can be inspired to believe for yourself. You know, God is no respecter of persons. What he, what he does for one person, he'll do for another. You know, I mean, I know I'm God's favorite, but that doesn't mean that God won't do for you what he does for me. He loves you as well, okay? It's, it's okay. He has enough love to go around. You know, Revelation 12 says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, right? The word of our testimony is a powerful, powerful thing. Well, let's just say... Let's just say maybe, maybe you don't have a, a testimony. Maybe, maybe you, know, you, you haven't received a miracle in yourself. Maybe you haven't received a provision. Maybe, you know, let's say you're not one of those that raised your hand for any of them. Um, and maybe, you know, you're not comfortable enough going up to a stranger and, and saying, you know, um, can you tell me about the story or can you tell me the testimony of when you were healed or whatever. Maybe, maybe you're just not comfortable enough, you know, you know, to do that to a total stranger. Don't worry. Because in 2 Peter... We have, we have uh, an example of this where Peter says, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, you know, he's telling about how he was a first-hand witness and he was sharing these testimonies of all these amazing things that Jesus had done. And he's, and he's going on and saying how he had seen him you know, uh, crucified, how he had seen him risen after three days, how he had seen him transfigure and shine with light on the Mount of Transfiguration. And talking to Elijah, and he was sharing all these amazing testimonies that he had seen, and yet he said in verse 19, and yet I tell you, we have a more sure word of prophecy. 
So he said that we have, you know, he had all seen all these amazing things. He was kind of sharing some of the testimonies that he had, that he had seen. And yes, he had something even better than the, word of, than, than the testimonies. And that's the word of God. That's the word of God. If, if, you, if you're one of those, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone, asking for a testimony, you know, get into the word of God. The word of God will inspire you to believe. You, there's so many testimonies, so many examples in Scripture of, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, especially in the New Testament, but even in the Old Testament, you can go and see how God just provided miracles, how God gave blessing, how God healed. People were raised from the dead. Just all kinds of amazing things happening. And you read in the word of God these testimonies, and you, and you read Scriptures like 2 Peter 2, or 1 Peter 2.24, by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. And you read some of these things, as Pastor Paul showed us earlier, you know, ask of the Father in my name, and it will be given unto you. And faith starts building up inside of you as well. And you can believe God to reach out, like that woman did, reach out and touch him by faith and receive your miracle as well. Can I ask the uh, worship team to come up? I'm going to conclude here. So I want to ask you, you know, what do you want to start believing God for today? Maybe you haven't been believing God for anything. Maybe, maybe you know, you've just kind of been living life every day, going through the motions, never really believing, never really expecting anything from God. But what do you want to start believing God for today? You know, do you, do you, need, a, do you need a healing? Are you, you know, do you need a, a provision in some area? You know, prosperity doesn't just mean financial prosperity. It includes financial prosperity, but prosperity also includes emotional prosperity, you know. Prosperity can, can mean, uh, you know, intellectual. It can mean social. It can, you know, God, you might, you might feel lacking in friends or, or people you can talk to and trust. You know, God wants, doesn't matter what, that, what it is, you know, God wants you to be prosperous in all things. Maybe you need a financial prosperity. Maybe you need a financial blessing. You know, God wants that for you as well. Maybe, maybe, you know, you want that promotion at work. Maybe there's something coming up, you know, and you're, you're wanting that promotion, you know. God can give you the favor. God can give you an idea that will, that will inspire, then to inspire you to, to, and will show your boss as who you are and what you're capable of. God can make you look good and get you that favor and get you that promotion. So what do you want to, what do you want to start believing God for today? What is it that you want to see happen you know, we, uh, we looked at before, you know, God, we said, God can do it. God can do it. We know God can do it. God, you know, it's not that God can't. God can do it. Scripture tells us that God is willing to do it. He wants to do it for you, as Pastor Paul was showing us, that he can be glorified, that he can show himself strong through us. God wants to do it. But are we willing to believe it? Are we willing to receive what God has already done? And, you know, maybe, you know, I've been talking about different things for you, you know, and healings and miracles and, and blessings and provision. And God wants that for all of you. I know for a fact that God wants that for all of you. There's no one in this room that God does not want to bless, that God does not want to heal. But, you know, if you've never, maybe you've never even believed for the very first thing, and that's, that, you know, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never even made that first step and believed, as Pastor Paul was saying in the communion, that, you know, we are cleansed through Jesus. We are made whole through him. It's not our own works. It's not, it's not our own doing. It's through Jesus. 
Maybe, we, maybe you've been trying to earn it. Maybe you've been trying like I did before I heard of the grace message. You know, I was, you know, you have to live a holy life and you have to live righteously and, you know, all these things you can and cannot do. And, and I was trying to earn salvation. I thought I was, I thought I was good because I didn't, I didn't do all these other things other people would do. I didn't go to parties and get drunk. I didn't hook up with girls. I didn't do all these other things. And so therefore I thought I was good. And I thought I was righteous and I thought I was holy and I was trying to earn my own salvation. I thought I was, you know, if I, if I lived a good enough life, I could be saved. But you know, we don't get salvation that way. We get salvation through faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is saved or is made unto salvation. You know, it's, it's that simple. It's as simple as confessing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That he didn't just go to the grave and die and he's buried there still today. No, he was raised from the dead. He is alive. We serve a living God. Not a God that dies like man, but a God that lives. So if that's... If that's you, if you've never made that, if you never believed for that, if you've never made that, that choice, I want to invite you, I want to invite you to come forward. I want to invite you to, to come up to the, to the altar here and we're going to pray with you. We're going to give you this opportunity to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today.